1: Welcome to episode 172 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here with me, and we both have our sexy, cold voices. Really deep, kind of FM radio today. Yeah,
0: it's really good to be here. Thank you for listening. Yeah. How's yeah, like that. Yeah, we're both a little under the weather. I'm going through puberty and squeaking now, so I don't know what I'm going through, but <laughs> hey, it's that time of year. We apologize for our voices, but we're glad you're listening.
1: Smooth podcast for your commute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well,
0: I don't know about our listeners out there, but it's been a above average sickness year, if that's what we can call it. For me, anyway, for my family, I don't know about anybody else out there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was really motivated to start working out this week, and you know, beginning of January, conquer the world, and uh, was gonna get up and do it, and then my kids started throwing up first thing Monday yeah,
0: morning. Well, you never start till February 1st because it's too crowded in the month of January. So oh you're good. Oh, my gosh.
1: It's, you're It's good. a refugee camp in there. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a mess. Motivated people for a month. Uh, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, yeah, if we end up hacking on the podcast here on the show, it won't be the worst thing we've ever done on the show. I'm hey, sure.
0: we're dedicated. Got to learn these tools.
1: That's right. That's right. You're going to learn them today. We've got some good stuff for you. Kurt has an amazing, geeky article moment that he's going to let us uh, hear about here. (laughs) And I read this article. I thought it was pretty funny. kind of goes back to our episode with Brian Wansink on Mm. the science of food and why we eat what we do. Kurt, take it away on that.
0: You bet. In fact, I think Brian Wansink did the research on this because this is from Cornell University. And they talked at the title of the article is The Curse of the Chinese Buffet.
1: Oh, The Curse.
0: It sounds like a bad which, Scooby-Doo
1: episode. Yeah,
0: It does, right? The monster, <laughs> the yeah. ghost, or whatever it is. And I think we've all been to a Chinese buffet. We all enjoy a Chinese buffet, or even the Las Vegas buffets, which sound good at the time, but you don't respect yourself in the morning type thing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds good at the time. It sounds good when you're hungry. It sounds good when you smell it. But they want to say, okay, what's happening here? Do normal weight individuals behave differently than obese individuals at a buffet, right? How much you eat. But they looked at 11 different restaurants. They looked at 213 people and they estimated their BMI, you know, their body mass index. And There's three groups, right? Normal, then there was a middle range obese, and then there was a high obese. And this is what they found. They found something really interesting. So the first thing was the place to sit. Obese customers were a lot more likely to sit at tables instead of booths. Isn't
1: that interesting?
0: Wow. I guess that's quicker access, right? If you're stuck in a booth, you're probably less likely to get up and get another plate. I don't know, but that was one of the things. And they were more likely to sit facing the buffet,
1: 41%
0: versus 26%, which was really interesting. The second thing was the way they approached the food. 71% of normal-weight customers browsed before their selections. And the majority of obese customers just started serving themselves. They just started going, filling up their plate beforehand. Ah. Okay? And here's one interesting too, is there was also a difference between obese customers always got the bigger plate versus normal-weight customers tend to get the smaller plates. Then the third thing they looked at was eating. Yeah, this is a Chinese buffet. Normal weight customers were three times more likely to use chopsticks. <laughs> and they were two times more likely to put a napkin on their lap. I'm not sure what that means, and they didn't explain that. But maybe I guess that's just one extra step to go to the buffet to remove the napkin from your lap. So they had some tips. Do the survey ahead of time. Decide what you want. Chopsticks and a fork if you have the patience. Don't sit towards the buffet. Use a smaller plate. And they said, thoroughly chew every bite that you eat. It's not a race. It's not going to go anywhere. There's always going to be plenty of food. After that buffet and you're so full, you're like, oh, I ought to eat so much. Yeah. I think we've all been there. But the psychology of food, the psychology of persuasion, the mindset, human nature, the more you understand that, the more successful you're going to be in life and in business.
1: As you talk about it, and I think about a Chinese buffet – Right this second, I'm thinking, you know, I could do a little bit of damage at a Chinese buffet right now. (laughs) I feel hungry. Yeah, and then a couple bites in, yeah, I just hate myself. (laughs) Stop it. See, I grew
0: up. I thought that was the only kind of restaurant was buffet. That's all we did as a family, and it was rare that we went out. But we went out. It was a buffet. It's funny because my mom was don't, don't fill up on bread. You can't get that. You can't get that. We'd go straight to the more expensive entrees. <laughs> yeah. Because they set it up that way with the least expensive, more filling items, the salads and the breads, the pastas. Get that on your plate before you get to the roast beef and the meats and the more expensive items. So it was always a joke in our family. Don't, don't fill up on bread. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should because bread's probably fewer calories than some of the other things you're eating there, right? Yeah, that's
1: pretty sad when you're saying that about bread.
0: Maybe I should say, oh, Philip on dessert should be my thing for my family, right? So that would be a good one.
1: Yeah, Philip on dessert, yeah. Well, everybody, I don't know if you know this, but Kurt is notorious for getting dessert first Yeah. At restaurants. What is going on with that, With the dessert first thing? I, you've done it for years, ever since I've known you, and I've never asked you why. <laughs>
0: well, it's simple. Why wait to the end for the very best thing? And by the time you get to the end, you're not hungry for the best thing. Okay. So I'm to the point like, well, if the appetizers and dessert are the best things, why am I getting a main dish? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't always do that. I've changed a little bit over the years, but that was my mindset. Is like, well, the main dish is pretty good, but the appetizers are always awesome. The dessert's are always awesome, and the main dishes are pretty good. So why am I having this middle step?
1: Yeah, I, I really could have some tempera shrimp and some lo mein at a Chinese buffet right now
0: and then hate See? myself. I planted the seed. You're going <laughs> to yeah. like your needs, and you're not going to be happy with yourself until you get it.
1: Yeah. I bet you right. I'm going to be the guy that faces towards the
0: buffet. <laughs> And you're going to wonder if you should put your napkin on your lap. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thanks for the <laughs> tips. <laughs> well, we're going to do something a little bit out of
1: order today, Kurt. I need you to cue up the blunder. Ooh, blunder, Homer, go.
0: Don't, don't, don't.
1: So I am the blunder.
0: You I am the blunder. Yes. Uh, the you, most talked about blunder is that I guess we don't keep track, but it could yeah, be. Yeah,
1: I know. I think I'm probably the most frequent blunder on the show, but... Yeah, I have committed what some may call a time management blunder. And as you've heard on the podcast recently, I've been on a little bit of sabbatical. So I wanted to take the opportunity to announce to the listeners that the sabbatical is going to continue. I've been uh, very busy in the real estate business and it has taken almost all of my time. And it's great. It's a great time to be in the business. I will pop in on the show from time to time uh, to check in. And uh, at some point in the future, we anticipate the sabbatical ending but there's a lot of work to be done Uh, launching a fourplex development in houston texas right now has me going down there a lot and and learning that side of the business and and really growing on that and it's been a great pleasure to be on the show every week that's going to end for a little while and kurt will take the torch by himself and and i'll come back in occasionally make sure he's still hitting the urkel button because i think (laughs) it's going to get out of control quickly if i leave him too long
0: well, you are the blunder. It's sad to see you on the sabbatical. We've enjoyed you on your show and your insights, but we uh, wish you the best of luck. The show will go on. We're going to have uh, some guest hosts email us if you want to be a guest host. We're going to do a lot more interviews, so we want to make sure you're mastering skills. Like, that's my life work is that you can really learn these skills because you should have learned these in school, and this is the biggest indicator of your success.
1: Absolutely. And In fact, for the main portion of the show today, Kurt asked me if I'd be okay with sharing Four things that I have been able to pick up on in my career, you know you do a podcast, you do training and consulting on persuasion and influence, but you also do your your own sales career and it makes you look at this a little bit different than I think most people would and Having taught about it and consulted about it to lots and lots of people, I think it allows you to kind of start to see which ones really move the needle the most I mean once you agree with that, Kurt, when you're in the you're helping others but you're also in the trenches yourself you can kind of see what really
0: matters yeah when you're in the trenches and using the tools and working with people it's a reality that that's the biggest difference yeah yeah so i've got a list of four things
1: to talk about here and kurt's going to chime in with his fm radio voice periodically on those yeah floor. yeah okay so you're ready you want to do like a drum roll with your pen on your desk you don't have to but uh, you know just pretend it's happening Everybody how about does.
0: a scream here's a scream Okay, go.
1: Okay, wow, well, that's, wow, wow, fantastic. had
0: nothing to do with it, but that's the only sound that came to my mind. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah, Kurt's a little thin on uh, on sound <laughs> effects. Okay. So I, I had a meeting with a prospect the other day, and they said something, and I thought I understood what they were talking about, and I proceeded to resolve an objection that wasn't even an objection. So that leads me to number one. You can never let your prospect talk uh, too much. You can never assume that you understand what it is that they – they want until they have, you have said it to them and they have confirmed, yes, you understand. And so that, that's number one, right? Make sure you understand completely what your prospect is saying and what they're thinking because something happens mentally to them when they feel like you understand that. Obviously, you understand and you can solve the right problem now, but I think you really take a giant leap forward in the trust department, when they feel like that you have listened and understood. That's my number one. Any comments well, that's, on that?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so true. And here's the challenge with that one is I've monitored a negotiation and the sales cycles. I think every persuader knows that. Every persuader's heard that. We've harped about it on the show. I even know that. But we all get stuck sometimes in just assuming or doing the knee-jerk reaction. And we just don't truly listen. We don't truly understand. We think we understand. I mean, if you look at the challenges – between countries, between relationships, and companies, between departments. It's always listening and understanding. And if we can take the time to restate, and if we just stop and listen find out exactly what they need, what they want, but sometimes we don't want to take the time or the mental energy, or we assume that we already know, and it's a downward spiral from there.
1: Make sure you understand. You know, repeat it back to them. It sounds like you need blah, 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 blah. blah. Did I understand correctly? And when they say, yes, that's correct you've really taken a giant leap forward. So that's number one. You ready for number mm, good two? Good one.
0: Yeah, do it.
1: Okay. So number two, this is not nearly as sexy as our FM radio voices, okay? <laughs> but it, it's follow-up because it's not over until it's over. Uh, follow-up is not some kind of groundbreaking thing. It, it comes from the daily grind of doing things over and over again that frankly most of the time feel like you know you're just not accomplishing anything. Right. I remember in real estate, I was trying to buy a distressed home from a woman and she I made her an offer uh, on this home and she came back like saying, oh, no, I can't do that. And she countered me. It was like four times my offer. Right. It was ridiculous. We weren't even in the same galaxy. And because I had done my research, I knew there was not a chance in in the universe that she was going to get that number that she wanted. And I had been taught follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. So I put her on a drip campaign where my email was automatically hitting her once a week. And this went on for about six months. I, I shot her a few text messages, left her a few uh, voice messages along the way. And the key was, Kurt, is just because she didn't answer me doesn't mean she wasn't interested. Right? People mm. are busy. And, and you know the, the pain, the dissonance isn't quite there. That rubber band that we've talked about on the show is not fully stretched out and uh, sure enough she called me back about six months later and said hey you know what can you come up about 500 dollars? i'll take your offer (laughs) 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 you've got to go until they get a restraining order or say leave me alone you creep (laughs) right silence does not necessarily mean that you should stop because they hear those messages and obviously, you know, you can automate a lot of that follow up with the cool technology that we have today. So you're not wasting your time. But it's not over till it's over, guys. Right. Great Somebody point. tells you they, they took something yeah. from a different vendor. They're going a different route. It's not over until it's over.
0: Yeah. And I think too many persuaders think they're being annoying and they've already left a message. They sent one email. They haven't heard back from them. And like you said, you got to assume the best. You know, they're busy, but they're still reading them. They're still kind of interested. And I want you to thank everybody out there. How many times have you heard after maybe seven, eight months, oh, good, thanks for calling back. I've been thinking about you. I've been wanting to do this, but someone passed away, or this happened in my life, or this got put on the back burner. Now we're ready to do it. That's what you should be thinking. Sure, every once in a while someone said, no, I don't want you to call me back. You are, okay, well, good. That'll save you some time. Give it the benefit of the doubt. More times than not, they will say, Thanks for calling back. Just keep them interested. Keep that drip campaign going. Keep uh, an occasional text, occasional phone call. It will surprise you. And the studies show it. I can give you this study after study. You know how many contacts it makes. You keep contacting them. That's a sign of a professional. Don't give up. Keep contacting until they say, No, thank you. That's right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: really important to leave every client interaction with a clearly defined next step, right? And a terrible next step is the client to say, well, I'm going to think about it. I'll get back to you. That's not a next step. Um, Whenever somebody says that to me, I say, yeah, that's great. Is it okay if I put you on my calendar for 60 days from now just to check in and see how things are going? And you know what? I've never had anybody tell me no. They appreciate it.
0: And that's a great thing because you just got permission to call them back. And they're usually, oh, yeah, whatever, okay, 60 days. They're not thinking about it. And 60 days comes up. You're like, yeah, I remember you asked me to call me back and work on this and this. And then it's easier to get through because you already had the permission. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's just that time, the time works on them. They eventually need that. And you're the one that's been there the whole time. Like we said, it's not sexy, the persistent side of it. But it probably works better than anything else out there. And as long as you're not completely abrasive and annoying, <laughs> calling them and swearing at them, why aren't you doing anything? Right. You know, it's, I think that probably goes without saying.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting because I get those emails that say, all right, if you don't contact us or do this, you're going to get cut off or less. I'm like, yeah. Okay. All right. Come off your list. You're gonna be treating me yeah. that way. I don't know if that's working or people panic or what, but when people are all being all abrasive, so i do you need some research on that, see if that's working or not. But I've seen that quite a bit lately, like, oh last chance. You're gonna get yeah. cut off. I'm like, okay.
1: Essentially what they're saying there is, hey, if you don't answer me, then me, the guy that you're not ready to talk to yet, is not gonna to talk to you anymore. That's right. I yeah. will be your friend. Uh yeah. okay bye (laughs) yeah all right hurt me hurt me Yep. you ready for number three yeah give it to us okay so many of you have a great product that you're passionate about your your business it's your life's work and this is one that we hear a lot we all understand a lot but i have to relearn this probably every couple of months i have to reset into this one it's like as humans we default into the vomiting of the features and benefits. Here's why my company is great. You sit there and you think about your company and the things that you're going to say that are going to wow the prospect, that are going to make them so excited, and you're making the critical mistake of making about you and not about them, right? You've got to talk to your prospect, find their motivation, find their pain, find the emotion because decisions are made based on emotion. If you do that, then the right features and benefits that need to be talked about will come out, but you can't lead with that. It's about them. It's not about you. That's number three.
0: Yeah, and you said the keyword there, you have to relearn it because it's kind of our default setting. You know, persuade people how we like to be persuaded, and we like certain things about our company, about our service, about our product, and that's what we lead with because that's the coolest thing ever. They might not care. They might not care. They probably don't care. You find out what their pain is. You find out why they're doing it. Key things, we all have to relearn that. It's kind of our default setting to really get in their shoes. Everybody buys for different reasons, but after three or four people buy for the same reason or what we're excited about, we tend to focus on, it could be something completely different, and it's surprising sometimes, and it'll take you off guard what interests other people, but if you ask the right question, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. Exactly, exactly.
1: You ready for number four? Ooh, give it to us. Okay, so number four. Being in sales or being a business owner, you have a living where you have to persuade people. You can have days where you're on top of the world, and then you can have days where you're thinking, you know, I should have been a farmer, right? (laughs) This, This was a crappy day. And it just really underscores the importance of daily personal development. And that's not a sexy one either. But being in this business as long as I have been, I can tell you how important that is to have good information in your head every single day because it does two things for you. Number one, it keeps you positive. It keeps you excited. It keeps you animated. And if you're going to be in this grind that they call sales every day, there's no way that you can do it and be successful without being positive like that. Ask yourself if you've ever met a very successful salesperson or persuader that doesn't have a good attitude and isn't positive and charged up and ready to go. Right, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh was not a good salesman. The emotional connection, just by itself, setting aside the utility of the information that you're taking in, the emotional charge that it gives your brain is enough by itself to justify personal development. Kurt quotes that Harvard study all the time about how those who have a daily personal development program are more optimistic and more enthusiastic about life. You want to be in sales you want to have the energy to get up in the morning and get after it go out there and and make that transition of enthusiasm as they say that's what a sale is it's a transition of enthusiasm to your prospect you got to have a daily personal development program to keep you excited because otherwise there's just too much negative crap in the world that's going to drag you down and the second thing about that is it's actually the utility of of the information and and i would say this is kind of a two-part to the second part okay Number one, the utility of the information just makes you better, right? It makes you better at what you do. You can take on more clients. You can solve more situations. You can do more things. And also, it creates a higher perception of trust with your clients. I, I went into the doctor this morning, Kurt, to a, a elbow, wrist, and hand therapist. I've been having mm-hmm. some wrist pain from a martial arts class I took. I hit the bag sloppy with a left hook, and it crunched my wrist. And it's been like a year and it won't heal. And I went to a couple of doctors that, you know, just, nah, we don't know. So I went to this specialist and he took a couple of different x-rays and then he quoted me a couple studies that recently came out. He said, I suspect it could be something like this. I read a study recently about, and then he started to quote this. And so is this doctor an expert? Is he just the man in my eyes? Because he had current information, right? And when you can tell your clients about what is happening, what is the cutting edge, what is new that is going on? A lot of these barriers to sales just go away because we've joked on the show before that you need to have that kind of positioning that a doctor does. Nobody questions their credibility. They just do what they say for the most part, I think, as opposed to the puppy dog salesman, right? That's chasing people for the sale. Please, please call me back. And I think that those two things is what a daily personal development program accomplishes. What are your thoughts?
0: I, everyone knows I'm rabid about personal development. That's changed my life. And it started on mentoring with Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy. You know, Brian Tracy said, look, read 30 minutes a day. After three, four, five years, you'll be a national authority in your field. I mean, you're spending equivalent to a semester of college in your car. Jim Rohn says all leaders are readers. I mean, and you mentioned the psychological advantage of it. I mean, you're feeling more motivated. You're more excited. And it's challenging because the people around you who think you, they know everything are watching TV. They suck the life out. The more you learn and grow, the more you want to learn and grow. And I, I love what they say is that what you don't know will hurt you. And so good. I agree. It helps you with your psyche. It gives you the tools. And I, I love saying that You know, every challenge, every obstacle you face in life, someone's already faced it and written a book about it or has a podcast about it or has a seminar about it or has an audio series about it. And, and I know everyone's smart enough to learn it on their own, but why take a year when you can learn it in a week? And I, again, I agree 100 percent. Personal development. And I notice in my life when I'm not doing it as much it affects every aspect of my life it makes a huge huge difference
1: exactly exactly i think that's a fantastic point if you're doing that and and the funny thing about the personal development we mentioned in those other 3 uh, categories that you know that i've learned over the years the personal development is what reminds you more regularly to do those things if you're not doing personal development then the only reason you would stop and reflect on what mistakes you've been making or, or what's been going wrong in your business is because you lost that deal that just crushed your soul. Why did I lose that deal? Right? When you're doing personal development, you're not having that happen nearly as often because you're refreshed, right? You're learning about these mistakes before you make them and you're preventing them, right? I don't know what the saying is. I'll probably slaughter it, but what it's an ounce of prevention or something is worth a pound of, I can't remember, you know what I'm going through. pound of flesh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So those are some good points. That's what I've been able to pick up over the years. And I I hope it's helpful to all of you as you try to become better persuaders. You know, it's a daily journey. It's something you have to think about all the time. And we've been doing our best to bring you good stuff here on the show that's going to help you do that. and, And we'll continue doing so. Mostly, Kurt, I'll be dropping in from time to time and when we get things wrapped up in Houston, I may be able to end that
0: sabbatical, but time will tell. Hey, Steve, great points. Really appreciate uh, the content, the tips, the advice, your time on the show, all the fun that we've had together doing the shows. I sure the, pres- the want to say for the listeners, we appreciate all that you've done, and we want you to pop in every well, and hopefully you come back.
1: Sounds great. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. That's our podcast today. Make sure you look us up at MaximizeYourInfluence.com come and go out there and persuade with power have a good one